Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here, along with Kurt Mortensen. Locked and loaded for episode 37. We've made it this far, and we're going to keep going. We keep getting great feedback from you, the listeners. Apparently, you're appreciative of what we're talking about, so that's always good to hear. The hate mail is at an all-time low. <laughs> I make good. Kurt read that, and he shelters me from it. <laughs> um, number 37, that's pretty good. We're getting there. We're going to have to figure out what you can do for number 52. We'll have to throw a big party. Yeah, we're going to have to do something. I mean, if you record that in, let's see, Bermuda, Jamaica, Costa Rica, Brazil. Any, yes. Any reference? With all the revenue we generate from our free podcast, we can certainly <laughs> plow that back into going to Bermuda. Yeah, let me calculate. Hold on, we get to calculate to see how much we've earned so far. Oh, nothing. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everybody, it's free. You're getting lessons from guys that do a free podcast on how to sell. So maybe stop <laughs> and think about commercial. that. We'll, do, we'll start doing commercials. We'll figure something out. We're <laughs> yeah, having we, too much fun. We need to do that. We're still evaluating all the people sending in their, their ninja applications, right? Yeah, Flying with your ninja stories. People want to qualify. They want to be the ninja. We're going to have to have a special plaque or maybe a special medallion people can wear to be a persuasion ninja. How's that? Well, why wouldn't you want to be a ninja? It needs to be big enough to be bling. That's what it needs to be. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard you. I didn't even know you knew what bling was. Hey, I'll surprise you at every corner. Oh, yeah, you certainly have. Well, <laughs> chalk it up. You've got a good surprise for us today on the geeky article moment brought to you by Kurt. I think that needs to be a regular segment now. I've been subtly talking the listeners into the fact that you're a geek. Well, I'll, I'll take some of that as far as what I like to read. and But everybody reads the Journal of Psychopharmacology, don't they? I think they do, yeah. <laughs> well, they had a great article, and it's an interesting read. And let's talk about it because it's been in the news quite a bit. The big thing, I don't know if we need a drum roll, is green tea. Yeah. Right? It was not even on the radar, I would say, what, five, six years ago, maybe eight years ago? No, But all of a sudden, oh, it's nutritious. You need to do this. You got to drink your green tea. But it was just interesting that green tea has been linked to better cognitive functioning. Meaning you're smarter if you drink green tea? I don't think you're necessarily smarter, but I think you're firing on all the cylinders where you're feeling sharp and your thinking's a little more clear. I don't think it's going to add anything to your IQ, but it's going to help you. Feel smarter, I guess, would be the word. It's like a brain fuel additive or something. Yeah, I would think so. Because they talked about the antioxidants, the nutrients, that they enhance health, they lower the risk of cancer. We already knew all that. But then this study out of uh, Switzerland found that it actually helps. It's beneficial to our cognitive or the way we think, our cognitive performance. So they found that green tea, they use the extract this time, increases the brain's effective connectivity, meaning the causal influence that the brain area exerts over the other. Basically... The, what they call the plasticity of the brain. We think better. We feel clear. Because we've had times before where you just that fog and you can't do it. It's Monday morning and you have people repeat things. You're like, what's going on? What's happening? And this helps out. I don't know if it's the green tea. I don't know if it's the caffeine. They didn't clarify. We do know from other studies that actually when you lace 
people's morning drink with caffeine, whether it be orange juice or water or other things, they actually are easier to persuade because they have more energy and they're thinking a little bit better versus those who didn't have drinks laced with caffeine. Wow, look at Kurt plugging the the PEDs, the persuasion-enhancing <laughs> drugs on the show. That's here. right. So if you can get away with it, now we won't say that. I'm just letting people know that if you're somebody that you're negotiating with, they're just not there, they're not thinking clearly, they're not with you, maybe a green tea, maybe a coffee, maybe a Coke, a little caffeine, a little walk, something. Because we've talked about the law of involvement before. If they're not involved, if they're not listening, if they're not caring, if they're thinking about other things, you can't persuade them. Look, you guys come here for cutting-edge persuasion techniques, and you heard it here first, Kurt, with the first persuasion roofie, okay? <laughs> the persuasion roofie. Maybe that should be the name of the show, persuasion. <laughs> that's, persuasion roofies. That's horribly tacky, yet somehow I feel like that might work. Yeah, they'd learn a lot of things, but you'd have to take a shower after the show, so I'm not sure. Uh, I'm feeling <laughs> like I need one already. <laughs> Well, so you know about green tea and other things, it does affect us. Everything affects our ability to persuade and influence as a persuader and the persuadee. Awesome, awesome. I've heard, I don't know, maybe you have some personal experience here, but when you have somebody who doesn't have ADHD, if they take, what's that drug, Adderall or something? There's Concerta, there's Adderall. It, it makes them hyper-focused where they think that they're being super productive and they're on top of the world and they're accomplishing all this, but in reality, they're just busy and it gives them some kind of productivity high. Is that true? So people who don't have it or do have it? Yeah, if, if you have ADHD, they're going to give you Adderall okay. to bring you back to normal. Which is a which is a form of speed. Okay. If you don't have it, it's going to make you feel a little more energetic, a little more speed versus those with ADHD. It actually calms them down. They think clear because it stimulates the frontal lobe to help them make better decisions, to be a little more calm. And so it does have the opposite effect. Hmm. So they might feel like this energy, but it's just it's equivalent to speed if you take it and do not have ADD or ADHD. Interesting. Interesting. So green tea, maybe it's going to make you function at a higher cognitive level. Maybe it's going to make your prospects function at a higher cognitive level. I know when we do workshops for our investors, we make sure that there's plenty of coffee in the back. Got to keep them going. Happen. So, listeners, if you can track either one of us down this week, green tea's on us. <laughs> yeah, you, I dare you to find us. <laughs> <laughs> I did a seminar over the weekend to some real estate investors, and there's a part where we have to go over contracts. And as you can imagine, it's a lot of talk about boilerplate and these contracts, and it's pretty boring. And it just, I try, I try my best, Kurt, but it always happens at about 2.30 in the afternoon that we're ready to talk about contracts. <laughs> So That's a tough one. It's tough. Yeah, we make sure to do a break and make sure everybody gets hopped up on the coffee before we get on that topic because they don't stand a chance otherwise. Yeah, just turn the heat up a little bit. Make sure they have a big lunch. You'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I don't even have to do anything. I could just sit there. They're all going to be asleep. Then at the end, say, okay, we're done. Thanks for coming. And Thanks for coming. Best thing ever. And they'll give you a great evaluation because they don't want to look stupid by putting down, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, try it out. Report back. That'll be interesting. Yeah, one of you listeners uh, feeling extra courageous. Maybe you got a bunch of green tea in you. Give that a shot. See how it works. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's get to some of the information that we wanted to cover today. We wanted to talk about the concept of selling with stories. And this was mentioned briefly uh, a couple episodes ago. I don't remember. I think it was episode 31. If my notes serve me correctly, we talked about tests. Testimonial example, story statistic, correct? Correct. And we briefly touched on story. However, I just don't think we did it justice. 
Selling with stories allows you to really access the subconscious mind and lower people's barriers. That is, if you have run out of persuasion roofies, you might want to go to stories. So we wanted to hit on that today, Kurt. What's on your mind about story selling? I don't think we've all heard, if we've ever been in sales, is that facts tell, stories sell. There's a lot of truth to that. And we've talked with the law of balance and with tests. You have to have a little bit of both because if you come into a room of engineers and have all these great stories, chicken soup for the soul, expect everyone to cry, they're going to throw you out. But for most people, a good story at the right time is very persuasive because if you've lost their attention, it's going to grab their attention. There's something about a story. Right? Story, you know, people start listening. Uh, it simplifies complex ideas. If they're not getting it, tell a story, have a relevant story. And the two major things that are really important is that, first of all, stories persuade without detection. And what that means is if you tell them to buy insurance, you tell them to buy the house, you tell them to buy the book, you tell them to buy the training, they're going to resist you. But if you have a story of somebody who was in the same situation, they weren't sure, they didn't, was it worth the investment, didn't know what to do, and they purchased it, and they came, and this happened, and this happened, all of a sudden, in three days, they became a millionaire or whatever it is. It persuades them. They put themselves in the story. That is huge. Stories persuade without detection. And the second one is stories also demonstrate who you are. Because if you're speaking in front of a group uh, that doesn't know who you are, you need credibility. And if you get up there and say, oh, yeah, I'm an author and I've done this and I've got this award and I've done this, all of a sudden you're arrogant and you disconnect from the audience. But if you don't tell them all these things, then all of a sudden you're not very credible. So a lot of times you can tell things in a story. If you want to let them know you went to Harvard, it could be, you know, while I was working on this degree at Harvard, or if you were to want to be like George Washington and, you know, couldn't tell a lie about chopping down the cherry tree. But a lot of times if you want people to know that you're trustworthy or honest, tell a story about something that happened. Because if you tell them you're trustworthy or honest, they're not going to believe you. So you can do that through a story. They're powerful things. And the great thing about these stories you have to understand is – First of all, make sure that you have relevant stories. Make sure there's a purpose to those stories. But there's two types of stories we've talked about. is stories that you've lived, which are easier to tell, more emotional, and demonstrate more of who you are. But if you don't have a relevant story, borrow it from a coworker. Look one up online. Get chicken fruit soup for the soul if you need to. They're harder to tell, but they're also going to be perfect stories that will fit the situation. But realize that these stories, they must be believable. They need to be authentic. You need to be passionate about telling them because that makes a big difference. Stories in a lot of ways are like humor. We've talked about humor before that with the joke, you heard it, you're excited, you laughed, you told someone else they didn't laugh. Because mm -hmm. with humor, they're either going to laugh with you or feel sorry for you. Just like a story, if you tell it the wrong way or too much detail and go too long, you're going to have the opposite effect. Definitely. So... Wouldn't it be effective then in these stories because basically you're talking about using them strategically throughout your pitch or your presentation or your marketing literature or whatever it may be? Isn't it helpful to pick out, say, the three or four most common objections that you get? And of course, the character in the story is going to face these and have the same concerns that average Bob Prospect would and overcome them because they did the research and were able to realize, well, that's not really a problem because X or whatever. Isn't that an effective way to plan out your stories? Absolutely. As you're looking at your presentation and thinking about the questions or objections you might get or that you always get, having a story right there ready to go is a great way to do it. It's also a great form of inoculation. Now, hopefully listeners remember inoculation is 
pre-solving objections before they happen. And a lot of times you can do that with a story. Make sure it fits your audience. It supports your message. Make sure that it answers their questions, but it works very well. And it could be a funny story. It could be something surprising, inspirational, motivational. There's different types of stories that you could use. And sometimes even fairy tales or folklores or myths or those type of things. Bible stories works well with a lot of people, depending on the demographic. But these stories will connect with them. Again, demonstrate who you are and persuade without detection. Yeah, yeah. I saw a great commercial about that the other day, and it was an insurance commercial, so it had to have been good if I remembered it, because it does seem like one out of every three or four commercials on TV today is insurance. <laughs> they're really it's such a commodity-driven business that they're doing anything they can to separate themselves, but it had the spokesman in the foreground, and it showed a guy in the background, and you've probably seen commercials like this. This is Bob, a 35-year-old hardworking male with a wife and two kids. He had tried to get term insurance and, and talked about all the problems that Bob had run into, but then he called so-and-so, and he was able to get a 30-year level term for this amount of money a month. And it was a very, very simple story, but it highlighted the objections and the concerns that they knew that their target audience was going to have, and they were able to hit it in a roundabout way instead of just coming at them in the face of, do you have this, do you have that, right? Where people, it, it just smells too much like an ad. Is that kind of what we're talking about here? It is to the point where we've talked about this at length, where your goal as a persuader is to help them persuade themselves. And once they sense that you're going to try to persuade them, they're going to resist. And a story just kind of bypasses a logical mind. It's easy to understand. It doesn't take a lot of mental energy. And they put themselves in the story. And that's exactly what happens. So if you can build your whole presentation around a story or have stories at the right time, it makes a huge difference. And you will be surprised how many stories you already have because the knee-jerk reaction when I train presenters is, well, I don't have any stories. You sit down and you think about embarrassing moments or sad moments or growing up or dating or those road trips in the car, the disappointments, the victories, the failures, the proud moments, the things that happen in the workplace, all those type of things. You can come up with stories. You can find them on the Internet, books, family, friends, talk to coworkers. They're there. Hopefully you can find one that you've lived but it's okay if you've practiced it to tell a story that you've borrowed. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And we've been talking a lot about this. Obviously, a, a recurring theme of the show is that we are feelers that think and we need to be able to access the emotions when we persuade others. But just doing that right out of the shoot really makes people suspicious, right? You and I were talking a little bit about that before we started recording the show. I told you about a blunder, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute, where if somebody comes on too friendly, too fast, or is hitting you with the emotion or the pain too quick, too fast, it makes you feel funny. You don't want to engage with that person. They have to establish some value and prove their worth in a very quick and efficient way before you're going to lower the guard and before you're going to listen to them. And I think you need to do that with a story, too. You just can't walk up to somebody and say, hey, can I tell you a story or lead the, the presentation without saying why or establishing some value right out of the shoot. I think a good way to do that is say, hey, look, you know, we're here to talk about this. And your situation really reminds me of this guy, Bill, who I spoke to last week. I'll tell you what his issue was it, because it sounds awfully familiar. And then you lead into the story because it's they kind of know why you're doing it and they're going to drop the guard because it's just not coming out of anywhere. But ironically enough, that's exactly what needs to be done. You tell the story and they lower that guard and they start going, hey, yeah, that sounds exactly like me. Because it's just 
too many of those people that with that cheesy pitch with the emotion right out of the the shoot it just doesn't sit right with me because yeah, it seems fake and incongruent i would never never lead with a story unless your audience already knew you respected you trusted you and needed something from you because until you've answered the what is it the three w's what's in it for me why should i care who are you until you've answered those or given them a reason to really listen you, you don't want to touch the story because if you come across that way the emotions won't connect it'll seem incongruent and you have to realize too you might be telling the stories in the wrong way. It might be a great story, but you have to remember when you tell the story, especially face-to-face, you're the stage, the way you use your voice, mm-hmm. the way you use your body, and maybe even props that you use. That makes a big difference. And the key factor here, so you are congruent and you can connect with your audience, is learn to paint the picture. When I ask people, well, why were they a great persuader? It was like listening to a movie. It was like watching a movie. Be generous with the details. Be vivid. Capture their senses. Make them taste it, touch it, feel it. They're living it. Make it come alive. Paint that picture so they can feel it. You don't say, oh, yeah, I took a walk on Pacific Coast Highway. I walked on the beach. No, no. You pulled over. You rolled down your window and, oh, that fresh ocean, that salty air. And you took off your shoes. You peeled off your socks. And you started to walk towards the sand. And the sand was just warm. And it felt so good on your toes. And you could hear the seagulls above you and the the waves were starting to crash on the shore. I'll stop there, but it's a different experience when you can be vivid with your details, that you can paint the picture, you capture their senses. That's what makes a great storyteller. Yeah, we all have people in our life that we love when they have a story, right? One of your friends, one of your family says, oh, you got to hear this. And you're thinking, okay, this is going to be good. This guy knows how, how to tell a story. You've got other people that they start telling you a story and you die a little inside <laughs> because you've endured their stories before. I've found that oftentimes these people, too, they tell the same story over and over again, right? It's like they're telling it to everybody in their life because it's all they've got and they forgot who they said it to. So everybody ends up hearing it three times. And listeners, if you don't know which category you fall into, it's pretty easy. When you go to business meetings or family reunions or whatever it is, you see old friends, ooh, tell that story again, tell the story again. When you hear that when you're giving a presentation, you know you're on the right track to be a great storyteller. But if no one's asked you to tell your stories again, we've got some work to do. Yeah, and we did that episode, if you remember, Kurt, about the eyes, how when somebody is smiling, when they're really having a good time, you can see it in their eyes. Watch people's eyes when you're telling them a story, right? If they got that fake muscle-only smile in the mouth or their eyes engaged because they're just being polite or watch where their feet are pointing. If they're pointing towards the door, chances are you got to wrap the story up. We grew up next to a, a neighbor like that. She would come over after she saw a movie and she would start telling us about the movie. And it was just agonizing. <laughs> just we, <laughs> Shoot me now. <laughs> oh, I know. It was the worst. And she had to tell us all the time. And we're saying she's under the impression that she's really got this this movie thing down and she's absolutely horrible. So got to be careful about that. You don't want to be that one. The things that Kurt said about vocal inflection and describing the details and right. Every story you learn this in English class in high school, it's got a plot. It's got a hero. It's got a villain or it's got something that it's supposed to accomplish. Worst thing you could do is have a rambling story, but in persuasion, of course you have a plot. You have so-and-so had X problem. And it was a problem because of this, and it felt like that, and this is what they were experiencing because of the problem. But one day, and now in comes the hero, right, of the story. One day they found this, and they found that such and such was no longer an issue, and this felt so much better because of that. 
I mean, that's what this has ultimately got to accomplish. And if you can do it in the right way, wow, it, it just is so effective on its own because it's it's kind of below the radar. It's not so in the face. And that's right on. I mean, stories don't have to be that long. They could be two, three minutes, maybe five minutes at the most. And that formula for a story, just like you mentioned, is a setting. Set it up, what's going on. And then you have that challenge or the problem that they're facing. That's the same as your prospect. Then you have the climax. Uh-oh, uh-oh. And then the resolution, which is going to be the solution, which is going to be your product or service. Yep, exactly. So we're going to keep cranking along here. Anything else you want to say about stories, or did uh, we beat that horse sufficiently? Well, we could never beat it enough just because it's so important and no one's arrived. But think about it. Try to look at your objections, your questions, and come up with a story, one that you've lived, one that you could borrow. But always ask yourself, okay, who's my audience? What do I want them to take away? You know, what are you trying to accomplish with your story? Think it through. Just because you have a great story, it'll make people smile or laugh or feel emotional. If it doesn't fit, don't use it. Because if you do use it, they're going to get stuck on, well, what's that got to do with anything? Why'd they tell that? Because you keep going with your presentation and they're going to get stuck. So practice tell the stories, maybe to family and friends and people that don't matter in the persuasive process. And become a great storyteller. So people just want to hear the same stories. Tell that story again. Tell it again. Because people love stories. It goes back to thousands of years where that's how history was transferred. We sat around the fire to listen to stories. And some groups had their people that were, they were the storytellers. That's what they did. They remember the history because it was so important, not only to remember history, but to keep people engaged and interested. Yeah. And you look at, too, over the, over the ages, the great religious leaders and uh, the great politicians have been masters of telling the story. And you know, we we just coming off a big religious holiday, but you know, whether or not you believe in it, in the New Testament, right? Parables, telling a message through a story. It related to the people so much more effectively, and it's something that people still do thousands of years later. And in almost all religion, there are stories, there are parables to illustrate these messages, and they tend to stick with people. Well, that is the great thing about the New Testament, because... Christ could have spent hours explaining a concept, but he just two minutes parable, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I get it, yeah. It's good time management, too, to like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, because he used examples that they understood in their lives, so he didn't have to set the groundwork. He's like, hey, it's like this. So an hour of explaining something versus a couple minutes of a good analogy or example or parable could go a long way. Oh, yeah. I think about if it was just do this, huh? but if it's a big story, it just... It engages the emotion. If I mean, that really just proves that we're feelers that uh, think we need to have emotions engaged for to, to want to do something, to be able to follow through with something. So true. Yeah. Let's go to some listener mail. What do you say? All right. Do we have a sound for that? I was just thinking we need to. I was going to try to just pretend to do it, but wow, I would just completely embarrass myself. All so. right. Here's the sound for listener mail. Wow, you chose a great sound, Kurt. <laughs> hey, everybody, winging it here on the show. So <laughs> we'll be using that sound for beer on out. <laughs> Listener mail from Eric K. Thanks for your mail, Eric. Hi, Kurt and Steve. I enjoy listening to your podcast each week, usually while I am celebrating my cheat meal for the week, eating a pizza or a steak or some other high-calorie food. Good boy, Eric. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the week is spent persuading myself to work out. <laughs> Your last episode, you mentioned a book about pitching presentations. It's called Pitch Anything by Oren Claff. 
between his Pitch Mastery course and your Advanced Influence series, I should be a Master Persuader Ninja soon. Uh, I tend to agree, Eric. You should be. He's talking about the Advanced Influence course that uh, Kurt has available. Uh, Kurt, you're going to have to give out the URL for that. We're going to have to get a shameless plug in, aren't we? I don't know. I thought it was a secret. <laughs> well, it shouldn't be. Last <laughs> I heard, you want people to get that. <laughs> Tell you what, we'll post the link. We'll do a special. We'll post the link right there next to the podcast. Okay, great. We'll put the link to the Advanced Influence course on the blog. So just go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com, and you'll be able to see the link there. You'll be able to order. Thanks so much, Eric, for listening to the show. And I agree, that book by Oren Claff, Pitch Anything, that's a good one, especially if you're in the venture capital or finance business where you you got to get access to money. That's where this guy's background was from. And I think it's a, a really good... A really good book about that, and glad to hear that the listeners agree. So thanks again. If you've got feedback or emails you want to send in or whatever, just tell us anything, even if it's about your favorite food, because we're suckers for that. Just send it to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. All right? We did get a little food, and I guess you can count the green tea. So we already talked about food. We're, we're in the game. Green tea's healthy. It's still in the food drink area. Yeah. Well, every 37th episode, we'll talk about healthy food. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, we got a new sound, and every 37th episode, we're going to talk about a healthy food. There you go. So it's all steak and burritos for the foreseeable future, folks. And I don't know, what's 37 times 2? Episode 74, another healthy recommendation coming at you. There you go. I'll leave it up to you to remember that. Yeah, I got it. I'd make a note. So... We've got a blunder. Cue Homer. Don't, don't, don't. Oh, there he is. There's Homer. Don't. We have yet to hear from the Simpsons people. So, I mean, this is good for them. I mean, they watch the Simpsons. promoting Homer. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, on a TV network near you or however I would promote that. So, the blunder. This is pretty good. It's been a while since we've done a multi-level marketing blunder. But, man, if there ever was an industry that was just chock full of them, right? They just blunder all over the place so apparently somebody's out there teaching some of these uh, mlmers to go try to poach realtors at model homes i've heard it from a few realtors that i know recently and one of them this was working for and and i'm not going to use names but they were working for we'll call them builder x okay and they're sitting there in the model home of builder x who is known to do pretty good quality and this person walks in walking around the perimeter, looking at the plans and the pictures of the different options and says, turns to the realtor, wow, this is just not a very great house. What a dump. (laughs) Okay, Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but what a dump this place is. I can't believe that uh, they're making you sell this stuff. It just really must be very horrible working for this company and persuades to drag the company of Builder X through the mud in front of this realtor obviously trying to get them to have some remorse about their choice of employment, right? And then, oh, have you heard of MLM Company Y? (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't interested in a home, wasn't interested in anything like that, goes in, slaughters the person's, uh, how they make their living, and then plops their network marketing company on the table as a solution. Extremely tacky and very worthy of the blunder of the week. I mean, wow. There's a couple things wrong with that. You have the bait and switch. And when you rip on somebody's job or profession or company, we've talked about this at length, to where it's going to pull everybody down. It just doesn't work, and it gives everyone a bad taste in their mouth. And 
the network marketing industry, and before I say anything, I love network marketing. It is a great industry. I, there's nothing like it that can take somebody with a small investment and become financially independent when they do it the right way, when they learn how to influence and work with people and treat it like a business. But so many people want to take shortcuts and aren't very good at influencing people and don't know how to talk to people and don't know how to connect to people. They do these things that just turn off people. They might treat, treat it like a job interview or they'll pull up in your driveway and say, I can't talk, just take this. We go probably top 10 MLM blunders. And the reality is, as they share, as they say, or they influence other people, they just don't have the skills to be able to do that. So they create these little shortcuts they think are creative that might work every once in a while that just really gives everyone a bad taste in their mouth. And that's one of the reasons network marketing for some people, they don't want to touch it because they don't realize how powerful it is because so many people in front of them have done it the wrong way. Yeah, that's what low barriers to entry will do to you, right? I mean, anybody can get in there, so you can get the lowest of the low joining that business uh, from time to time, and they, they try tactics like this. So really kind of a scuzzy uh, tactic that they did, and they were awarded accordingly with this week's Persuasion Blunder. Congratulations. Congratulations. And again, network marketing has done a lot of good for a lot of people, but a lot of people have done it the wrong way. And I love training network marketers because a lot of times they'll get in it for three or four months and say, well, it didn't work. And I'm like, well, no, it didn't work for you. Look at the hundreds of thousands of people that are successful in it. You just need to have the right skills. And that's why influence and persuasion and understanding people and people skills is so important to any business, but especially network marketing. Yeah, the realtor who told me this, I need to get some uh, info on the podcast in their office. So when they get poached on, or when they get approached on these <laughs> MLM yeah, companies, we'll, they can we'll refer them to the podcast. for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, and they'll be great because, wow, some of these are just spectacular that these people do. It's uh, pretty so amazing. True. So, All right, good. Well, that's the blunder. And I want to go ahead and remind everybody, there is the possibility that because you're in sales or persuasion and you listen to this podcast that you know, you've got competitors or maybe you're trying to be the top person in your office, so you're deliberately not referring them to this podcast because it's your secret weapon, <laughs> right? So, hey, if that's what you're doing, I respect that. But if you want the people in your office or your friends or your family or whoever to be successful in their persuasion endeavors, please refer them to the podcast. Send them to MaximizeYourInfluence.com or get them to subscribe on iTunes to the Maximize Your Influence podcast. We certainly appreciate your referrals and glad that you're continuing to listen. So we'll leave it at that. We're going to see you on episode 38 next week. Kurt, any words of advice as we sign off? Nope. Go out and persuade with power, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. 